Uh, thank you all for coming out. Thank you for, to uh, Country Kitchen Catering for a wonderful meal. And thank you to one of our biggest uh, supporters, uh, both financially and in, in distributing uh, information for our sessions, the University of Lethbridge. They're with us again in full force uh, this year. A reminder as well, if you're, if you're new to these lunch uh, sessions, that we'll spend about half an hour listening to our special guests today, uh, and then about half an hour eating lunch, and then about half an hour of uh, questions, and hopefully wrap it up by about 1, 1.30. Our uh, topic today is one that isn't unusual for southern Alberta. We are uh, in a, a heavy-duty agricultural area. Uh, our talk today is on the future of sustainable food and agricultural systems in southern Alberta, um, and specifically looking at progressive food policy in order to maintain this sustainability. Uh, our speaker today is Paul Hughes. He's with us from Calgary, and in Calgary, he's the chair of the Calgary Food Policy Council. This is a grassroots, citizen-driven initiative those words we love to hear so much here. Uh, and the group aims to advocate and educate on matters of food health, food sustainability, uh, and ultimately their recent project uh, is a goal to lobby the Calgary City Council to adopt food policy that is healthy for people uh, and the environment. Uh, and I'm hoping there's those of you that are involved in that uh, area here in Lethbridge, and there's a, a burgeoning group of, of those folks that are here to listen to, uh, to Paul's uh, information and advice. Paul also is uh, a bit of a Renaissance man. He's a conceptualist with uh, Pollinate. Note the spelling on that if you get a chance to see, uh, see his card. Uh, he's an artist, a high-performance hockey coach, um, an expert in food policy, uh, what he's talking about today, and uh, also totes the hat of being an urban farmer. Looking forward to hearing Paul speak, so without further ado, we'll uh, let him do his thing. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Um, I was told that I, I didn't have to acknowledge anybody today, because that's the protocol, and uh, but seems like there's a room of great people here, and uh, we're going to have some question and answers afterwards, so definitely write those down. And uh, if you must stop me and ask a question, by all means, let's, we'll, we'll go there. But I do want to acknowledge that um, my mother's here, and um, I love my mom, and it's good to see her out. So thanks for coming up all the way from uh, Hillcrest, Mom. Appreciate it. Good to see you. <clears throat> so... <laughs> She's usually coming to visit me in the, through the penal system, so it's really good to see this. Yeah. Thick and thin. It's my pleasure to speak with you today about food policy, um, especially since uh, it's harvest time and food is on everybody's mind. Um, look at the, you know, just driving down here from Calgary was such a, an, an enjoyable um, trip. Uh, got to see uh, you know all the all the bales and the farmers out and moving around and uh, um, it was just it's just a beautiful day in in Alberta and it makes you reflect about where where our food is coming from and where our food has come from and I just wanted to um, uh, ask everybody here um, 
If, did anybody in this room happen to eat any food today? I did. And I ate some yesterday too. I did. And in the last week, and I think in the last, I'm 45, I've been eating food for 45 years. So I did some math. Okay, what, what have I personally, just me, what have I consumed in the system? So I've eaten about 44,000 meals um, over the course of that period of time. Um, each meal averaged about five ingredients. Uh, mostly five ingredients, I'd say, Mom, right? About five ingredients. It's quite a cook, by the way. I'm, and uh, so in the course of my lifetime, um, I've been able to consume 200,000 food items. And we, we don't always understand that connection that we have with our food. I mean, this is a mass, 200,000, I'm just one person. We've got, a, we've got a country of 35 million people. We've got a planet of almost 6.5 billion people, depending on who you talk to. Um, these, these numbers are staggering. Just in Canada alone, we're talking 7 trillion food items in the course of in the last 40 to 50 years. So um, where, where is all this coming from? This is coming from our farmers. And our farmers are, um, I believe, our, our, our saviors. It's a very powerful word, but this is where we're going to fix everything is through our farmers. This is where we're going to find a resilient society, and we're going to be able to pursue the concepts of sustainability. But right now, what is happening is our farmers are addicted to an industrialized system, and it's not their fault. Um, we've moved through the Green Revolution, which is about 60 years, 65 years old now, the Green Revolution, to massive increases. Um, here's some stats um, I can share with you. 25 bushels per acre back in 1900s, uh, 40 b- bushels in 1950. Um, this, I think this is based on uh, spring wheat, or no, corn yield, sorry. Um, and then 120 bushels in 2000. It's been reported that farmers are up to 152 bushels per acre now. So we went from, at the turn of the 19th century, 25 bushels to we have six times that now. So what has happened? What has happened that we're getting these massive yields? Well, we have different inputs. Before, the inputs were sustainable. They were, it was good stewardship, and uh, you put the manure back into the field, and you mixed it all in there, and, um, and, and we had very fertile soils. So now what we have is we don't have fertile soils anymore. Isn't that ironic? 152 bushels? What are you talking about, Mr. Hughes or Paul or whatever you want to call me? Coach, you can call me coach. Um, just kidding. But uh, the, you know, what's, what's changed? So we, the inputs are changed. Massive amounts of petrochemicals are going into our soil. Well, you know, if I spill, if I spill some oil on my grass or anything like that, I try to clean it up right away. But we're putting petrochemicals into our soil, so our soils are not really healthy anymore. They are simply being um, supported by something that isn't sustainable. So yes, we're getting these massive yields, and how are we going to feed people? So this is the challenge, and and I'm not going to suggest to you for a moment that um, that that I or anybody in the sustainable agriculture field has all the answers. This is something that everybody in this room, everybody in this city, everybody in this province, everybody in this country, everybody on this planet is going to have to deal with at some point. How do we create sustainable societies? How do we transition from being heavily dependent on highly processed, industrialized, factory farmed foods to becoming to becoming dependent on sustainable foods? How do we do that? So 
think you guys are all, I think you folks are ready for a change here. So this is um, this young fellow here. This is my son, Mackenzie Delta. And uh, here's some of the innovations that are happening and coming down the pipe. So why are we constructing something like that? So it's because of demand. And people have, seen a, have uh, identified an opportunity in the marketplace. So <clears throat> there's a lot of interesting things happening in the urban agricultural field. And one of the things, one of the reasons why we have also moved towards a very highly dependent processed industrialized factory farming scenario is because of the concentration of our population in our, in our uh, urban environments. So 82% now, I believe it is, of, of Albertans live in an urban environment. So in an urban environment, it's very difficult to cultivate food, as we all know. So, um, but there's a return to that, and people are looking for opportunities. And here is a picture that um, comes from the Glenbo archives, and it is Calgary. And Calgary was chosen at the time. Um, there was a train route, of course, but Calgary was also chosen because of um, the fertility of that river valley. And things grew in Calgary. They, obviously, they grew like crazy. <laughs> and that's, that looks like quite a bounty there, quite a yield. And... So that is the heritage of our city, uh, of my of the city that I live in, Calgary, and we have a we have the Stampede, and uh, we celebrate it every year. And we have a million people come into our city, and we call we call our city Cowtown. Cowtown, and I call it Cowless Town. We don't have we're not allowed to have any cows in Calgary anymore. Can't even have a chicken in Calgary. There's a livestock bylaw. I'm not allowed to have a chicken. It's illegal for me to have any livestock or a connection to my food. What, what has happened? So um, one of the things that's, that's going on in Calgary, and, and, and this is about food policy, but I wanted to give you a bit of a background on, on, on the developments and not that you're not hip and savvy and aware of what's going on. I, I'm, I'm sure everybody in this room knows that. But just to sort of encapsulate how we went from being this amazingly resilient economy and, and society where we took care of ourselves and we took care of one another to now where we're plugged into our supermarkets and we don't watch out for anybody anymore and we don't know where our food comes from and our children think uh, an egg comes from 7-Eleven or comes from Safeway. And they don't even know that process, and they go gross if they, if they when you tell them. That's that's not gross. That's beautiful. That's that's life. So, um, uh, you know, in Calgary right now, um, I'm uh, I've just been issued a summons, and I'm on my way to court because I have four chickens, and uh, and I turn myself in. Uh, as if you have chickens in Calgary, I suggest you turn yourself in. Um, I turn myself in because it's time to get the show on the road and, and time to push some of these issues and bring them to the fore so that, uh, you know, I know my city's de debating right now uh, taxi bylaws and we're talking about um, different types of urban densities and these things are important. But where is food on the agenda? I want to put, I'm trying to put, and with the groups that I'm involved in, and I'm sure maybe a few of the people in this room are trying to put food back on the political menu the political menu is devoid of food. It's something that we do every day. We're addicted to it, but we don't discuss it. And it is a municipal responsibility. Your health 
even though through the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, your health is actually, you know, a provincial responsibility, municipally, the cultivation of our food should be our responsibility. And that has not been delineated by any charter. It has been delineated by the United Nations. They've declared on six different occasions since 1948 that food is a basic, fundamental, universal human right. You have a right to food. You have a right to know where your food's coming from. You have a right to grow your food. You have a right to access your food. It's your right. It's probably the most fundamental right that we have after expression and, and freedom of expression and freedom of mobility. So um, we need to challenge some of these. So, okay, what are people in, what are people in Lethbridge going to do? What, what, what's the argument? What, what needs to happen? Is everybody healthy in Lethbridge? Are, are you eating well? Are you eating wise? Is your food healthy? Are you depending on the industrial agricultural system? Are you spending the majority of your budget at 7-Eleven and Safeways and, and stores like this? I would presume that you're probably like all most Canadians, that that's the case. And so there's an argument, an, econom an economic argument, a strong and compelling economic argument to, to look at sustainable agriculture and local food systems. So I'm buying something from Safeway. All right. Where's that made? Oh, Nabisco, Procter Gamble, some large corporation, and it's being processed and manufactured in the States or someplace out in Ontario, maybe the um, maybe Vancouver area. So I'm in the essence, every time I buy that product, I'm taking my dollar and I'm shipping it out of my community. Well, I don't I don't believe that that is wise. Community economic development, 101, the very first day you come in there, they say, they say to you, if you study economic development, community economic development, they say, what, what's rule number one? Rule number one is keep your dollars in your community. Bottom line, keep it in your community. Now, okay, you know, maybe in Lethbridge, there's nobody's manufacturing cars, so you're going to have to buy a car that's manufactured in southern Ontario. But food? Lethbridge? Calgary? Southern Alberta? I don't see what ha what's happened here. We can grow our own food. I drove through Lethbridge, and I thought there was a bit of sprawl in Calgary, and I'm like, whoa, you guys are pretty spread out here. So um, there's a lot of land. There's a lot of unused land in this area. So food policy number one, and following the ABCs, keeping it simple. And uh, as a farmer, I, I pride on keeping things simple, and I think a lot of farmers do too. We don't want to get into a lot of the complexities. Yeah, we will, for sure. After a few shots of vodka, we'll get complex. But the ABCs, so access. We need to access our land base. We need to reconceptualize how we're using our land base. If you, if you drive by a large field of grass, if it's, un, if it's not being used for, as a soccer field or a football field or a baseball diamond or something like that, um, that area can be reconceptualized. If the integrity, integrity of that park area is maintained, the outskirts, the skirting, the, 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 the complementary, the accessory, if you, if you like, um, could be used for urban agriculture. There's no reason why it can't be. And it actually makes, it for, makes for a much more enjoyable experience when traveling there. So access. How do we reconceptualize land? How do we reconceptualize the land in peri-urban and urban environments? So there's a whole belt around Lethbridge, around Calgary, around all of our, our communities, all our municipalities, that should be de dedicated and devoted to the, to the cultivation and the production of food. It's called a local food system. 
Um, so I look at the grass, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a grassroots movement. I'm trying to come up with a new word for grassroots movement because I don't like grass at all. I don't like Kentucky bluegrass. And I, you know, if you if you have an, if you have an idea, let me know. Um, but grass, what do, what do we do in our society nowadays? We have these luxuries. We have dogs and cats and grass. We never had that. We had dogs. Why do we have dogs? To keep the coyotes away, to keep the bears away, to protect the chickens, to protect the livestock, to protect us, to, to, to protect the children. Now we just have dogs because they're our pets. And I, I, do, I have two dogs. I love them dearly. Um, please don't miss for this. We have cats. Same thing. Uh, grass. We have grass. We never used to have grass. People didn't used to have lawns. They had gardens. They had, if that was their house, then that was... That was where the farm was. That's their property. But we didn't have these lawns that took all these resources. So um, if you look at, if you're a taxpayer in the city, I, I would definitely challenge the municipality to say, how, how can we uh, reduce the resources that are committed towards grass? And, I th- and, you, and when they say, well, what do you suggest? Well, urban agriculture, local food systems, um, farming our schools. What is going on with our schools? How do we teach our children in, a, in an educational environment, the connection between food and, and the production thereof. So it needs to be through a curriculum. And how's my time, by the way? Lisa? Okay. Um, so t- p- conveying and passing that information on, mentoring our children, and getting food back into our, food, into our school system is important. It's part of a sustainable agricultural society. I like that picture. This is Calgary Food Policy Council. That's our that's our nice little logo that we just uh, designed. These guys, these wow, <laughs> they're really uh, they're really having a hard time. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of colony collapse. This these are I mean a bee is that big, but they are so important to our system. They help with pollination um, and, and provide honey, of course. Many of them. So, but this is so important. Yet. A number of chemicals, 30 to 50,000 chemicals have been found in beehives. We didn't have this before. And, 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 and the industrial agricultural system is railing against sustainable agriculture, saying it, 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 it's not sustainable. Sustainable agriculture is not sustainable. You can't make it work. You can't feed people. Well, you know, I don't know if, this is, if the industrial agricultural system is working. In fact, it's collapsing on itself, and colony collapse is one of those indications. There's another return to what's old is new again. This is cutting edge. This is probably the edgiest slide I can show you. This is cutting edge right here. So, um, and these were these were very simple skills, but they were skills nonetheless. They were critical and vital and important skills. If I come across an accident scene, I may not be the doctor, but if I'm the person that can put my hand on the wound and stop the bleeding, that's a skill. I may have saved your life. So. As far as the, the food system is concerned, this is a fundamental, um, vital, critical skill. We need to be able to raise our own food, and we need to be able to grow our own food. And this, these people did it. There's a young, young lad there in the back learning from, his, uh, learning from his mom. And that's the way it was done. That's the way it needs to happen again. Here's a project in northern Manitoba, north of the 56th parallel. And this is lettuce. 
And this is a soil that has, has, has not been altered in any way whatsoever. Um, lettuce dug in. Some of the best lettuce that I have ever tasted in my life. Um, zucchinis, huge. Um, carrots, amazing. Broccoli, uh, you know, everything that you can think of. This is northern Manitoba, 200 kilometers north of Thompson, 400 kilometers north of the closest farm. And things are growing. And there, you know, our boreal forest, we have huge space. And as you may know, our boreal forest is under attack right now as well uh, through the tar sands project. And they're looking at options for remediating the, the, the soil up there and, re- and reclamation. So I think sustainable agriculture, which is on the plate with some of the politicians that we're talking to right now, may be considered to be an option, may be a viable option. And as uh, James Lovelock uh the scientist who um, introduced us to the Gaia theory has suggested that uh, uh, temperatures and and uh, precipitation are going to increase in northern latitudes. So um, we're going to see this in our lifetime, and it's happening right now. So this is a, a food security project that I was involved in in northern Manitoba. Uh, future farms, do they look like this? I hope not. Looks efficient, eh? You know, good graphic. Looks great. Not sustainable. Oh, here's one. This has got to be sustainable. What are they doing up there? They're uh, blocking the sun using technology. Very, very interesting. And the guys are looking at a little bubble here. Uh, Captain Kirk. And uh, I'm not much of a tail guy, but uh, this is a project out in Winlaw where we started a woofing project. And we decided to uh, convert the space that was giving a very minimal yield um, just through... uh, just do some basic grains and start growing in a market garden um, in a market garden uh, manner. So high concentrations of vegetables and increased yields. So I, you know, I'm I'm really encourage farmers that are monoculturists to start to look at uh, diversifying the culture, start putting the culture back in the culture. There's some more of the cutting edge things that are happening right now. Um, Little kids on, on horses, uh, chickens, uh, eggs, people out feeding, and uh, valuable skill set. So these children are obviously have some kind of connection to their food system. They know what's going on. They're going to grow up to uh, to probably handle those, uh, you know, learn husbandry and, and learn how to handle those horses. Oh, who's this now? This is, does anybody recognize this lady? Yeah. What is she doing? For the first time since the Second World War, We've got food being grown at the White House. The first time this year. So we're right there. We're at the vanguard. This is this is cutting edge. This is happening right now. The White House is doing that. Guess who else did it? The Queen. At Buckingham Palace. She grew food for the first time since the Second World War. Vancouver City Mayor started a a uh, municipal garden, community garden, right on the uh right on the uh city lawn. So this is amazing. And um this is all organic. And guess what happened when she declared that she was going to have a, a, a VOG, a veg, uh, or, no, organic vegetable garden, was um, the, the industrialized agricultural system railed against her. The people that are the spin doctors for those organizations attacked the first lady because she wanted to grow food on the White House lawn for her family and for her guests um, without any chemicals.
I'm a big fan of Michelle Obama because I think that these are the types of leaders that we need. And when we see this kind of thing happening and children see this happening, they make that connection. So, you know, for our politicians to simply talk about the future and talk about change but not to act on it, I, um, I'm somewhat disappointed. This, this is amazing. So here's some projects. This one's in Burnaby um, where they're trying to create a community and they've accounted as part of the development plan, they've incorporated community gardens and plots. Um, they've incorporated a community farm. They're taking care of themselves. Those people in those dwellings are going to be able to feed themselves from that food. The distance from there to there is 500 meters. This is responsible development. This is sustainable development. Here's a barge in New York City. <laughs> you know, there's no land. They, they got almost no land there to grow on. So they're growing on a barge, and this is an experimental project. So um, reconceptualizing, where can we grow things? We're growing things on rooftops. Great. We're growing things uh, in so many different places. We're going like all over. People are looking for places to grow things. London, England, 22 acres of available land that they're going to try to dedicate towards urban agriculture. I bet you there's people in this room who live on more than 22 acres. So um, Calgary, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly the stats in, with Lethbridge. Um, do we have those stats? Um, the, in Calgary, we're looking at 10,000 uh, hectares of land that, are, that could be available for agriculture. That's 1 million people, 10,000 hectares. There's London, England, 22 acres. So we're the envy in Canada. We obviously have a massive, large, second largest country in the world, um, massive land base. So why are we not using our resources wisely? Why? So access, we move into build. Well, how are we going to build things? Are we going to build it this way? We don't need to do this. We have land. So what happens in our peri-urban environment? This is the conversation that we need to have with our politicians, with our decision makers, with our neighbors, the most important person, our neighbor. We need to have start talking to our neighbors about where is our food coming from and our farmers. Can a farmer that is growing on, you know, I know there are huge, some of the farms around here are huge 10-plus sections, but could somebody de devote four acres towards market gardening? Would you be able to... Uh, be involved in a group of people that had some kids come out and, and started a little market garden and they tried to create a community-supported agriculture, CSA. Is it four acres? I bet you there's some farmers around here that say, yeah, there's, i got some land over there. Urban agriculture takes the spaces that we, the unused spaces, the unwanted spaces. Give us your unwanted spaces. We'll use those. We can grow in that. That's the challenge and we will embrace that challenge. So, Here's a, a, a project that we were involved in down in, uh, this is in um, Ghana, I believe. And so we were in communication with this particular individual, and this was his garden. And he is helping to feed his family in his village. And it's quite enviable, uh, absolutely, I mean, with their climate, but nonetheless, they're doing it. So there's an argument going on right now that uh, involves wealth and um Population control. Well, <laughs> there's a stat that's coming out from a guy named George Mombiot, and he's say, suggesting that the wealthy amongst us, it's, it's, it's comparable to 10,000. In their lifetime, they'll consume enough fossil fuels, enough energy, 
and enough resources equal to 10,000 uh, people in third world countries. One person. But yet we want population control for people that are really aren't consuming anything. Vertical gardening. I don't think we need to really entertain vertical gardening in Lethbridge and Calgary. We've got lots of land. We can do that. But this is these are the projects that are on the table right now. This is a project with part of Planet in Calgary where we looked at uh, converting a golf course. Symbolically put the tractor down there, and we're going to convert that golf course into a farm, an urban farm. Does, the, the, the amount of water that we put under our golf courses is, is, is just is really quite astonishing and shocking what we do so we can chase a, a white ball around. And I know it's very uh, therapeutic for a lot of us, but still, we have to question these things. Calgary Food Charter. I'd like to see Lethbridge Food Charter up there. I think that would be great. A charter that declares a right to food for all every citizen of Lethbridge, every child. Chicago. Well, there you go. It's happening. This isn't just a this isn't just somebody's dream and idea. This is actually the shovels hitting the dirt on these ideas. Again, more urban ag- examples of urban agriculture around the world. Cuba leading the way. Milwaukee growing power. Will Allen. Here's a MoMA ex- exhibition. MoMA, Museum of Modern Art, New York. This happened last year. Why are they doing that? Because it's happening. It's the vanguard. Mendo Food Future Credits. Uh, uh, again, uh, different innovations. Um, this is a currency. There's a mobile garden on the back of a uh, train. No, that's all Photoshop. But, I mean, this is the this is the craziness that's out there. People are looking. I just want to see something green. And they're in these deep urban environments, and all they see is asphalt. Concrete jungles. Uh, innovation. How do we repurpose? Here's some tubs. Somebody started growing in some tubs. This is me. This is a project I did in northern Manitoba. I just went to the garbage dump, and there's hundreds of tubs lying around. So hey, let's put them in. I put a piece of plexiglass on top, and that that was my that was my greenhouse. That was my hot house. That helped me get things germinated. Um, some of the things that we can do: market gardening can be labor intensive, so we have jobs. We're talking in Calgary right now with the transportation utility quarter, 20,000 jobs in the course of the next five to 10 years. That's a lot. Um, I'm about to wrap up here, sorry. Um, small plot intensive, you may have heard of. Uh, small scale livestock, egg production, construction. This, this, this all takes skills and people. These just don't happen. So there are employment opportunities as we transition from industrial agricultural society. Very dependent. Value added. Jams. Classic example of value added. Bread. Here's another one. This is another uh, from a, a French um, architect. I mean, people are entertaining these ideas. They're, they're they're fabulous. Some of the ideas are just you know so futuristic, and and but it's happening. They're looking at vertical vertical gardens. There, there's there's a gentleman in New York that's actually got the land, and they want to build a vertical garden. So this is a picture of uh, Lethbridge area. With all the little farms, just kidding. That's uh, from the Hubble telescope. But um, so here, here's the ABCs of it: access, build, cultivate, distribute the food, eat the food, back to the farming, back to the gardening, harvest again, invest. Look at sustainable agricultural opportunities and try to invest in them. 
And as a farmer, we do not need to be building large multi-million dollar buildings to house thousands of hogs and thousands of animals. We can build smaller infrastructure. We can repurpose items. We can divert items from our landfills. There's so much there. So I'm going to wrap up here. I could keep talking. You can talk to me for a long time about this subject. But um, one of the things that I, I'm, I'm going to challenge everybody here is to, is to talk to their neighbors and talk to the politicians about opportunities in, in sustainable agriculture and sustainable food. How Do we have a local food system? And let's start giving it a rating. Let's get some empirical data here. If the, if, if, if the triangle, if the pyramid, and the top of the pyramid is the number one, number one is the top of the pyramid, that means your food source is within 100 meters of your home, and number 10 is your food is coming from New Zealand, where are you? Where is Lethbridge? This is something that you need to explore. You need to find that out. The quality of your food, 1 to 10, 1 being the best quality food, 10 being the worst, highly processed, some kind of cheese from Kraft. Where are you in that? Proximity, everything, all these things, scales. This is something that needs to be considered. So an evaluation and what they call an assessment, a local food assessment, is something that you need to drive towards, I'm going to suggest, humbly, to everybody, and the creation of a local food policy council. You don't have to call it the Lethbridge Food Policy Council, but some type of group that targets specifically what is going on with food policy in our city. What is the status? And get to, get to work on creating a food assessment and finding out what is really happening. So when you talk to people, you've got the facts. You know what it is. Thank you very much.